You know, I'm amazed that we haven't crashed the internet with Jim and Harry TV on our Facebook page because, Harry, how many new likes did we get in the last week? Well, I would say it was at least double digits. I'd say it's triple digits, even more than that, for goodness sake. That's... Well, I'm not good at math. I'm sorry, but... It's down the TV uh... rabbit hole with Jim and Harry. I'm Jim Sion. He's Harry Bartosiak. That is our Facebook page. It's Jim and Harry TV. And we actually did get a lot of likes here in the last week, so please, check it out. Harry Bartosiak is the number one attorney in Chicago. And let me ask you this, something, buddy. Does anyone... Yes. Do they ever call you Harry Bartosiak Esquire? No, but I had a subscri- uh, subscription to Esquire well, magazine. Well, I canceled it because it was boring, and I could never figure out what, what good it was going to do me to read. Well, let me ask you this. If you've ever traveled to Great Britain, do they ever refer to you as a barrister? No, but that was my nickname in grade school. Ah, well, see, there you go. Then you picked the right profession. That's wonderful. Smart move. Well, I consider myself to be a professional broadcaster. As a matter of fact... You do? I'm going... You do? That Frank Nelson voice. You do? (laughs) Well, no, actually not. Matter of fact, um, to set the scene, a little pre-production note for the audience out there, because I like to break down the fourth wall. That's what they say, right? Tell them what's really going on. Um, I'm sitting right now. Uh-huh. I haven't showered in a very long time. Oh, it's hotter than crap up in my upstairs spare bedroom. My microphone is propped in a coffee can, <laughs> and uh, I'm struggling to keep the notes from blowing off the table because I have to have the fan on here because it's <laughs> hotter than the bejesus. It, is it one of those so, fans from, like, the 40s where it's just the bare wire, and it, it's got the thing, it just... <laughs> It's a $15 box fan that I buy these in a panic because I don't think I really need a fan, and then that Walmart's the only place open, and you have to go buy it. But anyway, I'm going to post a picture of this so the audience can see. Oh, good. Set the scene. Yeah. Wonderful. There's no, we talk about copyright problems with the show all the time. I don't think there's any problem for me. Maybe I'll have to take the picture of Don Ho that I have on my desk and turn it upside down so I don't get sued by his estate. But other than that, I want people to see the work that goes into the show and that it is not... This is, this is blood, sweat, and tears So here. we will so, get the actual yeah. photo of your studio. That's really good. I'm actually looking forward to that. that. That'll be wonderful. We go down the TV rabbit hole every time we get together. We pick a show. We each pick one. It's a show that affected us in some way or another over the years. One we liked as kids. One we didn't like as kids. One that's affected us here over the last 10 to 15 years. And I always like Harry to kick it off because he always has such good ones. Harry, what show have you selected for us this broadcast? Well, Jim, I have a question for you. Yeah. What do you think, out of all the formats for sitcoms, would be probably like the guaranteed slam dunk um, recipe for hilarity and light comedy? Oh, God. What formats? Well, it's uh, fish out of water. Yeah, that's true, okay. and that's used frequently. Right. But I think there's one that's, that, would be, that most people would say was, number one, this is definitely the funniest setup that you could ever use. Okay, tell me, because I'm sure you're going to be right. Well, okay, well, I mean, I think it's obvious, but I'll tell you, I think, of course, it's a Nazi prisoner of war camp. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I, you no, know, of seriously. course, you know, I'm so, I'm so silly, as Jack Benny would say. Well, as they said, uh, this was an actual slogan for this show. If you liked World War II, you'll love Hogan's Heroes. Wow. Yeah, that was an actual slogan. But anyway, 1966, 1971 on CBS, it was a damn good show because they made the Nazis so 
uh, buffoonish and you know ran circles around him. That uh, this here, let me get to the setup. First of all, this was a top ten show, twelve Emmy nominations wow. again from 1966 to 71. The setup was Bob Crane and the other who, who played uh, Lieutenant Colonel Hogan uh, were American prisoners and without the uh, the German officers who ran the camp knowing it, uh, they basically ran the place and helped people, uh, other you know, allied prisoners escape. They acted as spies. They used it, they had the run of the camp and used it for their own purposes. And the bumbling, uh, you know, Commandant Klink Colonel Klink and uh, Sergeant Schultz, and then all these generals that came in and Gestapo people had no, you know, they were no match for the Hogan's Heroes uh, crew. Well, you know, they almost and they almost treated it like their own outpost, like they had their own office behind enemy lines. <laughs> they had their own. I mean, they they wouldn't have left if if they, if they swung open the gates. These guys would have stayed there because they were doing so much good work on behalf of the war effort. Sure. So Bob Cray, uh, Richard Dawson uh, played uh, Newkirk, and his job was basically, he was like a pickpocket. He was a safe cracker. He could do card tricks. He, he even was an expert tailor that made uniforms when they needed to dress up like Germans. Really? Stuff. See, I, thought Le- I always yeah. thought LeBeau was the tailor, but I, I didn't realize that. No, it, okay. was, it was Newkirk. LeBeau was... <laughs> The things he did were, were helpful. Like he was a dog trainer. You know, they showed all those German shepherds. Right. That, you know, he trained them to be super friendly uh, to the um, uh, prisoners. And then, you know, like you see LeBeau at the beginning coming through, uh, popping out of the doghouse. Right. Uh, like on the other side of the camp. So <laughs> he had them trained. He was also an expert chef, and he would use the um, his culinary talents to bake strudels for... Uh, Sergeant Schultz, oh, la beau, the strudel you make is all. And that, of, and that then, of course, um, is one of your impressions. <laughs> That's the late John Banner. Yes, John Banner uh, played uh, the bumbling Sergeant Schultz, who seemed, you could even tell on the show, was about the nicest guy oh, ever. Yeah. And in actual fact, him and LeBeau, who was played by Robert Clary, uh, were actually very good friends until John Banner's untimely death in 1973. John Banner, by the way, you know, big, here's a lesson for all of us, a big hulking guy. Now he was older, about 63 when he died, but I got to thinking, you know, that was a rough time in the early 70s. I think it was 73 that Dan Blocker died yeah. too from, you know, the big guy from Bonanza. So a lesson to all of us, exercise, watch your diet, keep in shape. And don't, it don't have too much strudel. <laughs> oh boy, the strudel. Got me in the end. <laughs> the commandant of the camp was played by Werner Klemperer. Yes. And it's Colonel Klink, famous clerk, character, you know, with the monocle. And uh, he had this down to a T. Colonel Hogan, you're going into the cooler. And uh, Werner Klemperer was uh, German. Yeah. Uh, his family fled uh, Germany in 1935, because his father... By the way, it's not Klemper. I always thought it was Werner Klemper, but it's Klemperer. Yes, okay? yeah, I, I, so yeah, know. that's a hard one. That's why I wanted you to pronounce it. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, you knew that? But, I mean, if you say it real fast, you can't tell the difference. Right. Anyway. So, anyway, yeah. Um, but he... Some people think... I've seen stuff and heard stuff where that's kind of ruined his career, but I saw interviews with him later in life. He's like, no, I didn't run, run from the... Uh, uh, from the character, you know, because he, he always felt that as long as 
Colonel Hogan and his crew were getting the best of him and the Germans, that it was the show was not being insensitive to, to you know, to Jews and the Holocaust right. and fallout because obviously it, you know what? it's a tricky thing. So he said, "If I can play Richard the Third, I can play a Nazi." And then he also said that if in the if the writers ever had the Clink win any particular show off or incident, he would have left the show. Good. So yeah. he he liked it and he lived a good long time till 2000, age 80. His father was a guy named Otto Klemperer, who was a, absolutely a uh, world-class symphony conductor. Wow. And when he moved, moved from Germany, that's how Werner Klemperer ended up in Los Angeles, because they moved in, in 1935 to Los Angeles, became the head of the Los Angeles Philharmonic, his father did. And Werner Klemperer, Klink, uh, was also not world-class, but he was a very good violinist. So there you go. There's a... Now, answer me this about Werner, because I do remember, and I think you alluded to that with your impression, but after Hogan's Heroes, didn't he do a lot of stage work? He did. Yeah. He did a ton of stage work, uh, and he was... I didn't really see him in any TV shows, no. uh, but I, he was on a ton of interviews. You can go online, and, and I remember at the time, even up to his death, you'd see him from time to time, you know, Maury... I don't think he was... I don't know about Maury Povich, but let's just say he would have a show about, you know... Uh, a reunion show for the surviving Hogan's Heroes people or whatever. Well, I Which remember, me, I, I remember, and yeah. maybe you saw this one, he was on the old Pat Sajak show. Did you? Yes, I did see that. Matter of fact, that's, some of my notes are from that. And I got to thinking, boy, what, remember what a train wreck that Pat Sajak show was? No, Pat Sajak was a friend of mine. Pat Sajak, he and I. I like Pat we, Sajak. We used to be email a, buddies, but yeah, you're right. It wasn't that good of a he show. Took, he took a pounding yeah. from the press even before it aired, and the, I mean, the reviews were horrendous. When I watched it at the time, I was preconditioned to hate it in my mind. It was like uh, mind control. I'm like, well, why is everybody, this must be, this must suck. This must be a terrible show. Yeah. This guy's Sajak, he, he has no right to have a show like this. It's terrible. He's no Johnny Carson. But in actual fact, it wasn't that, that bad. No. And I like Pitt. Yeah. It, it really wasn't. And, and again, when it was on the air, uh, Pat Sage, and shortly after it went off the air, Pat Sage and I became email buddies. And, uh, and he always said, you know, he says, I know the ratings weren't great. He says, but I'm proud of the work. He says, we had some really good actors on. I thought we did some really good stuff. And when you look back at it, it's not as bad as you thought. One of the things that's super fascinating about Hogan's Heroes, first of all, you remember they always had these generals visiting the camp to check on Colonel Clink. Right. Because what... Colonel Klink was considered, you could tell, by the other German officers as an idiot. Um, and I know that for a couple of reasons. Number one, because they were always coming to check on him. And number two, they were always calling him an idiot. <laughs> yeah. But the thing was, he, there was no prisoner has ever escaped from Stalag 13. And that's because they didn't, the Hogan and friends didn't want the prisoners to escape. Because they, they, then Klink would be out, and then they'd have a real general in there, and then they, you know their gig would be over. Right. So anyway, some of the generals that visited, one guy, an actor named Leon Askin played General Burkhalter, a big fat guy with jolly face, remember? Oh, yeah, and ugly. Looked like, he looked like a bulldog. He did, <laughs> yeah. And then he would show up, and he would say pretty much the same thing every time. Clink, you idiot! You're going to the Russian front! And then... Major Hochstetter yeah. was another guy. He was like an actual Nazi with the swastika and everything, you know, Gestapo. Yeah, he had the mustache. Back. I think he had the Hitler cookie duster mustache. 
or close yeah. to it, close to it. Well, I don't know about that. Maybe. That's interesting. Okay. I'm not sure. But anyway, he wore the full Gestapo outfit. He was played by an actor named Howard Kane, who was actually American. He would say the same damn thing. Clink, you idiot! You're going to the Russian front! You know, I, then, I think you just pick these shows <laughs> because you can impersonate some of it. You just want to show off your impersonations, I think. Well, <laughs> I am known as the rich little of Arlington Heights, so... <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't think is a compliment at all. <laughs> but, right. uh, well, uh, I promise that's the last one. No, no, no. You're, they're actually yeah. very good. I'm impressed. You're taking me back. So very good. Then they would have like guest generals, like these actors. Like there was a guy named Howard Gould, who you don't know, no. but you know. Like you've seen him. Oh, he had I... like a pencil thin debonair mustache. He was on Golden Girls. Yeah, a bunch of no, times. I remember Howard yeah. Howard Gould. Tall, slender, uh, receding a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah. Good guy. Good. Yeah. Good actor. Good actor. Great. You know. And then they would all drive in using the same. The same car was used after the war. At some point, as time passed, there were two of these big ass Mercedes convertible. Remember those big gray cars? Oh, they sure. would always ride in with the flags in the back. Yeah. And uh, um, Hogan's Heroes uh, production company got a hold of one of them, so they would use the same car back in. So whatever the guest general was. And sometimes um, the guest general would be like, one time they had Sergeant Carter dress up like a uh, general to come and sure. castle clink. But uh, so these generals, you'd think these were all, except for Howard Kane, well, some of them were German. Here's, here's the thing. Here's an amazing fact. We talk about the setup, the controversial setup of the show. General Burkhalter, Leon Askin, uh, was Jewish. So was Robert Clary LeBeau, so was Werner Klemperer, so was John Banner. Robert Clary was in a concentration camp during World War II, and his parents and family members were killed. Oh, my God. Same, same with General Burkhalter, Leon Askin. Wow. General Burkhalter, Leon Askin, Howard Kane, who played Major Hochstetter, the Nazi Gestapo agent, Harold Gould, guest general, uh, John Banner, all and Werner Klemperer all served during World War II in the U.S. Army or, or Air Force or whatever. They were on the, the Allied forces. side. Wow, that's great. I didn't know that. All of them. Holy cow. Hey. And here's the thing that I remember about Hogan's Heroes, and I, I did watch it regularly up in Chicago, and I still it's still syndicated. I think it's on MeTV. Um, but uh, the first three seasons... The writing was very clever. Like they'd have somebody sneak out and something would happen and you, and then they'd blow up the bridge and this. And I remember thinking, wow, that's clever the way Hogan and his crew managed to pull this off. But by seasons four and five, I felt like they didn't have any more clever ideas. It was like, okay, let's blow up another bridge. Okay, let's, you know, pretend to be a general again. You know, that was my feeling. Well, Jim, I'm sure you're right. And this is, we could probably say that about... 90% of the sitcoms. Sure, that you're right. They, 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 and give them credit. They did not add uh, Cousin Oliver or have Fonzie jump the shark here. <laughs> yeah. They just let it die in 1970. Now, how were the All ratings? Right. How were the ra I mean, w were they always strong or did they taper off at the end? I don't know. I'll, I don't I'll know. look it up and put in the corrections. I, it was strong for quite some time, though. Okay. All right. Production note. This is amazing to me. This show was shot... Uh, the studio changed hands, but most of the outdoor scenes were shot at the Desilu Studios. It was RKO at some point, but at a place called the 40 Acres Backlot in Carson City, California. I'm going to share with our, you and our audience via posting on our Facebook page a map of the 40 Acres, 
40 acres back lot circa 1965. 40 acres isn't that big. It's this big sort of uh, ice cream cone shaped uh, parcel of land. Or if you go in there and you were able to roam around this place in 1965, you could go on to the set of Camp Henderson, where Gomer Pyle USMC was performed. You go uh, across the road and you can be on the set of Hogan's Heroes, Stalag 13 set. You go into the middle of the place, you can hit the house from Gone with the Wind, Tara and the Atlanta train wow. station from Gone with the Wind. And then you head on down over to looks like what would be the east side. You hit the farm set in the town of Mayberry, where the Andy Griffith show. I mean, it's all these sets, all standing, and most of them were standing until 1976. In 1974, the set of Hogan's Heroes was destroyed uh, by some, it, it was some kind of... It was um, by Hogan! Hogan! He probably just blew yeah, it up because well, he was mad because that the show wasn't on the air anymore. No, I, well, it, it's a good guess, but <laughs> no. it was actually a exploitation movie, and I didn't take a note of it. It was called Sheena, Queen of the Nazis, or something like that. It was, it was, it was a. Ironically, I think it was like a war setting, but they, they just. Well, I guess that's why they used it. But they burned it down. And did you know that in 1976, the same kind of thing happened? They let some crazy exploitation violence movie rent the Mayberry set, and they burned the effing thing oh, down in 1970. If that isn't like the most sacrilegious thing ever to happen. Wow. I don't know what is, but but can you imagine? Wouldn't you? What what if we could go back in time and we drove a car uh, and went into this for, and they said, okay, you can have the run of the place, have fun. Yeah, and wouldn't that be a blast? Well, I'll tell you this. Let me tell you, just knowing a little bit about TV production and stuff, so many times when you go and you see a set like that or you see something that was on TV in person, it's so unimpressive. It really well, is. I, you know, I mean, it's, it, it's TV stuff. It, first of all, a lot of times it's made out of really cheap materials. Okay. Yeah. I hear you, and I agree. But yeah. what I'm talking about here is a parcel of land that is hollowed ground. If, I don't care if there was cardboard sets. Yeah. That's where they film this stuff. Yeah. If I can stand in front of the courthouse or Floyd's Barbershop or whatever, then – Take pictures if we could take our phones. Sure. Like you know, maybe maybe we had to use the old cameras because we have to go back in a time machine. But I just I'm fascinated by that. No, and I am too. But like I say, I've been to a couple of those things before, and I'm like, well, that's not that impressive. Uh, well, that's okay. not well, really. You know, but but you're but you're right. I, I your heart is in the right place, so I agree with you. Okay. Yeah. Sort of a wet blanket response, <laughs> but that's okay. Now listen. Bob Crane died in 1978. He was involved in like a porn ring. Oh he yeah. Would take, yeah I, we don't want to get into this. No, no, no. It was show. just very, no. very sketchy. He was keeping sketchy company, and some people think he was murdered. But uh, yeah, he was. He was. He was hanging around with some some bad people. Werner Klemper died, 2000. John Banner, 73. We talked about Richard Dawson in 2012. Used to smoke four packs of cigarettes a day. It was the hardest thing to put them away. Larry Hovis. Uh, Sergeant Carter, 2003, yeah. Ivan Dixon, 2008, and there you go. So, They're all dead. Well, there you go. That That is, you know, it's very unusual for a show that was taped 55 years ago for all the actors to be dead. So, But that, it is. it's definitely yeah. a curse, no doubt about it. <laughs> and, and you know what? Um, now, now I feel bad because as I look at my show for this week, all the actors are dead too, so there might be another curse out there. Damn it. We need to get some investigative reporting on what's killing all these people. But anyway, a um, couple more things. Yeah. 
I love guest stars. You know that. That's one of my favorites. I like to save that for last. Here, it was a complete dud. I don't know. They didn't have that many guest stars that I was able to find. I got like two or three. William Mulcahy, he played um, Father... Wait. William no, Christopher. William Christopher. <laughs> he played Father Mulcahy okay, on right. MASH. <laughs> Victor French from... Uh, remember... Uh, what was that show he was on with Michael Landon where he wore the Oakland A's cap all the time? Oh, Highway to Heaven. Uh, Highway to Heaven. Highway to Heaven. Uh, Harold Gould, we talked about, and Gavin McLeod. Of course, there. yeah. Well, yeah, Gavin right. McLeod okay. did everything with Desi Lou. Anything Desi Lou. You remember he was on like four episodes of Andy Griffith, and each time he played somebody else. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Okay, uh, I'm happy to say there's been no reboot. However, yeah. nobody goes quietly into that good night on the reboots. Al Ruddy, who is 90 years old, was one of the creators of the show, was... I think he might have just died, uh, or maybe he's still alive. But anyway, up until a few years ago, he was trying to do a reboot of the show, which would focus on the descendants of the original characters uh, who are now spread out across the world in search and playing a game in search of global treasure. So that sounds like a dead bang winner to me. I'm oh. sorry they didn't do that. <laughs> I, you know, I don't even I don't even know how you pitch that show. <laughs> Well, I mean, what happened with the first thing he had to do was sue to get the rights to the show because it was purchased by a company owned by Mark Cuban. I don't know how that happened. Yeah. But. Well, you know, I mean, I, as I told we were talking about song titles. You know, there are songs that were written in the 1930s that companies own that they don't even know they own. So like, what? We own that? I don't know. What's that song? I've never heard of it. We own it? Are you yeah. sure? You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, he bought, the, there was a series of companies that purchased Bing Crosby Productions, which was the production company that had the That's right. rights and actually did production of, of uh, the show. But anyway, Bob Crane's son, uh, said it best. He's like, leave it alone. Yeah. And I think that goes for most of these reboot attempts. It, if you notice on the show, it was perpetually wintertime. They never had summer. Yeah, you're right. Even though, yeah, they did it, like I said, in Carson City, California, was hotter than hell during production a lot of times. But what they wanted to do was have a continuity so that when the episodes were shown, it didn't matter what order they were shown. Right. And so at the beginning, they put salt everywhere to make it look like it was snowing. But that got expensive. So by the end, production costs were being slashed. They just paint, put white paint on, on the buildings oh, and stuff like well, that. Now that's something I'm going to watch for. I'm going to go to season five and see how bad it looks. <laughs> well, I see. I saved the best for last, right? The best nugget. Well, I've got one for you. And... Uh... And I know how sometimes you really like to, to, to set up your episode with a little pre-production. Well, here you go. I'm yeah. actually going to reach for the tuba. And I'm not going to do it note for note because, again, I'm worried about, you know, getting sued. But this is going to be a reasonable <laughs> facsimile of the original. Right. Here we go. Here we go. A one, a two, a three. Use a coaster. Oh, yes. Oh, I'm so glad you did this show because I don't have to do the research, but I don't need to do the research. And we're going to have some fun because, of course, you are laid on us. You tell us the name of the show, but I think everybody knows that theme. From 1970 to 1975, it was on ABC. Of course, we're talking about the TV series The Odd Couple with Tony Randall and the great Jack Klugman. A classic. You, I, I, you and I have talked about this one half a dozen times over the last 25 years. We both love it. Amazing classic. I don't have a list, really, of my top shows, but I keep wanting to say certain ones would go in the top five. Yeah. This is 
definitely in the top ten, and I'd have to think hard about maybe it would be up there. Well, let me give everyone just a, a little bit of background, and I'm going to throw a little trivia at you. Of course, uh, The Odd Couple, the TV show, was based on the play that was written by Neil Simon in 1965. It was on Broadway. It was a huge hit. But who were the original Odd Couple, the two actors? Well, um, I only really know the movie, which I'm guessing these aren't the guys, which was Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau. All right, you're, so. you're half right. Walter Matthau was, played Oscar, but who played the first Felix on Broadway? I'm going to say it was Marty Allen. You're close. No, actually, you're not close. <laughs> yes, okay. matter of fact, you, you couldn't be further away because this guy's great. The great Art Carney. Was it Jack Carney? No, Art, Art Carney. Oh, I knew that. Yes. I, yeah, I knew you no, knew I, that. We had talked about that many years ago. But yeah, Art Carney. Yeah. And Walter Matthau, the problem was Walter Matthau could be a little bit difficult, and Art Carney thought that Walter was upstaging him a lot. Um, <clears throat> he would kind of break character, and he'd start talking to people in the audience. And Art Carney, in his, uh, well, not in his autobiography, it was a biography about him, but he admits that he had some alcohol issues, and in the mid-60s, eh, he was having some trouble. So he was in the production, and he begged out, I think, after about nine months, and, uh, and then, of course, you know... The, Good move. Yeah, yeah. And then they brought in... Well, let's see. You know what? I really didn't do that much uh, research for the play, but they brought in a couple other, you know, uh, uh, Felixes. And, of course, in the, in, the, uh, pl in the movie, which was 1968, Jack Lemmon, Walter Matthau, many people remember that, so... You know, right. Now, I liked Jack Lemmon, but, I mean, to me, there... Tony Randall is Felix Unger. Yes. It's one of the, there's, there's some characters that are just not, like I did Colonel Clink and Werner Klemper, you know. It's not just being typecast. It's like you were born to be that well, character. Well, and that's the and thing. That's... And, and, you know, casting agents don't get enough credit as far as I'm concerned because, you know, Tony Randall is a perfect Felix and Jack Klugman is a perfect, I mean, he is Oscar. He, perfect. You know, yes. and, and that gets, that gets to, to a lot of what I, I, I found out as I was doing my research. First, though, do you know that uh, Tony Randall had played uh, uh, Felix Unger, the character, on... He didn't do it on Broadway, but I think he did it out west. He had played it on stage, and he played it yes. when he did it opposite of Mickey Rooney, who was Oscar. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and, oh, my God. And as a matter well, of fact, first... Tony Randall said, oh, no, let's use Mickey Rooney. Let's use Mickey Rooney. And they thought about it, but then they got Jack Klugman, obviously everything worked out. But go ahead. No, I did. I knew that he had played Felix. That's how they found him. But yeah. I hadn't know. I forgot or didn't know about Mickey Rooney. And we don't have to get into this now. No. But I happen to, th you know, I have some controversial opinions. I'm not a huge fan of Mickey Rooney. I think he was overrated. Uh, but we'll talk about that. I interviewed Mickey Rooney way back in the in the late '90s. He was he was a sweetheart of a guy to me. And he, of course, he had the great line about Jack Carter after Milton Berle died. Uh, Jack Carter did the eulogy, and he looked right at him. He goes, Uncle Milty deserved better than Jack Carter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, i got to give him credit for that one. Yeah. That's no, that was a funny sure. line. All right. So, uh, the, uh, yeah, go ahead. Odd Couple, on for five seasons. Yeah. We, you know, I mean, uh, Jack Klugman and Tony Randall had both been stage actors. They had done live television. Uh, Tony Randall did uh, a lot of movies. He actually did a couple of movies with Rock Hudson, but... This show came at the perfect time for both of them. They were both ready for a sitcom. And mm -hmm. I, this is a great story that not many people know. On the first day, and I think it was Gary Marshall, who, of course, developed it for television. The great Gary Marshall has done so much. Um, this was after he did the Dick Van Dyke show. 
Uh, he, he was a writer on the Dick Van Dyke show okay, that, prior to that Yeah, because the Dick Van Dyke show was Sheldon Leonard and originally Danny Thomas. And then, of course, Carl Reiner was running. Well, but, yes, Carl Reiner they, and Gary Marshall were brought in Marshall and, and Howard Baskin or something exactly. like that. Anyway, yeah. yeah so it's, right. it's like the first day of shooting, and they're going to go out and do something on location. So they get in, into the limo, and there's Jack Klugman. Of course, he either had a cigarette or a cigar going. Tony Randall gets in the limo, and he gets out, and he's like, I can't ride in that limo. I can't take cigarette smoke. It hurts my sinuses. I cannot. And Gary Marshall's like, man, you got the character. Oh, it's perfect. You're so funny. You're going to be a great Felix. And he realized he wasn't doing Felix. He was just being Tony Randall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, that must have been like the easiest acting job for those guys ever. Well, you, I mean, you got to give them. You, you realize, and a lot of people don't know this, they got about you know a week or two into filming and Jack Klugman said, you know, I don't know if Oscar would wear that. Uh, you know, do you get something else, whatever? So they just said, well, what do you think he should wear? He said, well, why doesn't he wear what I'm wearing right now? And they said, oh, great idea. So for the rest of the series, Jack Klugman just wore his own clothes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what he wore, like a Mets hat and a sweatshirt uh, all the time? Everything he that wore was supposedly <laughs> was his own clothes, which I think is great. Oh. Oh, I love it. That's classic. Yeah. And, you know, I love their apartment on that show, yeah. which would cost a fortune in today's New York. It was kind of big, but it had the nice open layout. You know, you could play cards there, as we saw. You know, great kitchen for cooking right. uh, and for conversation. And uh, they seemed like they had spacious bedrooms there, too. So, uh, you know. No, it's a, it's a uh, great New York apartment. But you remember, yeah. Tony Randall played uh, a really good photographer, and Jack Klugman was a sports writer, so they had some coin. They had some bank. They had, yeah, they had had celebrities come visit him from time to time, which I'm sure you're going to talk about. Well, you know, I, I don't have, and I hang on a second. I've got it right over here. It's a long list of different celebrities, but you remember Howard Cosell was on it twice playing himself. Howard Cosell, yes. Uh, uh, Monty Hall was in a really hilarious episode. Oh, yes, yeah. Uh, they did Password with uh, Alan Ludden and Betty White. Uh, let's see. I could go down the list, but there th those. Well, were Roy Clark came over to their apartment. I remember, he played a guy like uh, Country Bumpkin, and he played the guitar, and he blew him away. And um, Paul Williams, remember, just an old-fashioned love show. Yeah, he's still around. He was there. Yeah, uh, Tony Randall, I think, had to set him up to do a concert for his daughter uh, or something like that. I remember Paul Williams on that. See, you're, you're, yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, Bobby Riggs and Billie Jean King, when they were doing oh, that, yeah. yeah, they <laughs> appeared to themselves. Uh, here, just a few more, few more uh, uh, names, because uh, some of them are hilarious. Wolfman Jack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Wolfman Jack. Uh, Hello, baby. <laughs> Hugh Hefner. Um, oh. uh, Bubba Smith and Deacon Jones. Obviously, that would work well with the, you know, Oscar being a sports Plug, writer. Uh, Was Joe Namath on there? I thought I remembered them. Namath. No, I don't see Joe Namath here. No, 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 I don't see. Okay. Ruin Arledge was on in, in one of the Howard Cosell episodes. And, of course, the great Rodney Allen Rippey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Rodney. Oh, God. Wow. So, well, so that's a list of the guest stars, but we don't have to get that far into uh, uh, the different episodes because they're all great. The show was never a top 30 hit. Did you know that? No, I did not know that. What, That's disappointing to me. What happened was, what happened was, a lot of the times it was on Friday nights. It was scheduled on Friday nights, and Friday nights, as you know, is not a huge uh, TV watching. A lot of people go out Friday nights, so no, it's all it's always the dumping ground of uh, they don't they don't try on Friday. As a matter nights. of fact, I mean, things are th they are still 
the last show to air regularly on Friday night to get nominated for an Emmy. Wow. Yeah. Now, that's what I saw online. It may have changed in the last couple of years. But the reason they kept it on the air is because it did okay during the season, but when they'd put it on the summer reruns, it would be great. They'd get great numbers. So that's how it stayed on the air for five years. Wow. Yeah. Fascinating. I love that. Um, are we gonna? I don't mean to guide this, but I no. just like chomping at the bit. I love the show. What about uh, some of the other character, some of the other ag- regular uh, secondary characters on the show? Are you going to talk any about those guys? Well, Jack Klugman's ex- ex-wife was played by, of course, his real ex-wife, Brett Summers. They actually got divorced during the show. You remember that? Yeah. Remember her name on the show? Uh, was it Blanche? That's right. Yeah. Blanche. Yeah. Um, and I didn't look that up. I remember that from, from just watching the show. Uh, let's see. Uh, who, who, was, who was Murray the cop? That great character actor. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Al Molinaro. Al Molinaro. Of course, we know from the Encore Frozen Entree commercials, played um, uh, Al on Happy Days. Yes. Yeah. Took over right. for uh, Pat Morita. Um, yeah. And, uh, and Penny Marshall played Jack Klugman's secretary. And, of course, Gary Marshall uh-huh. was one of the producers, so it's kind of all in the family there to have a Rob Reiner reference. But, uh, but yes, I, uh, she was in it. That was really her first role, I think, her, real, her first on-camera role, if I'm not mistaken. No kidding, yeah. Well, I remember her uh, vividly, but I don't think she was on that many. But she was enough. She was a sort of a, a semi-regular. And then they had uh, the, the card players, right? That was where Al Murray the cop... Uh, and then they had a guy named Speed. Remember him? Uh, he had, like, white hair with glasses. Are we going to talk or are we going to play cards? Yes, that was played remember. by Larry Gelman. He played okay. Speed. Yeah. Uh, God, that sounds so much like Larry Bud Melman. Um, <laughs> he was Dr. Bernie Tupperman on the Bob Newhart show. Really? Okay. Uh, well, good for him. And then there was another guy yeah. who had, was, like, sloppy dresser, too, that had kind of, like, curly hair. And a mustache. I can't remember his name. Uh, it was a regular card player. Yeah, they, they, they have the list of card players here, but none of the other guys are anyone. Uh, they say Richard Stahl, uh, and he's a character actor who's pretty good. Um, but other than that, oh, let's see. Uh, Herbie Fay, another great character actor. When you see his picture, you're like, he was in the old Phil Silver show. But none of the other names are really ringing a bell for me. Okay, well, look, I didn't mean no, to hijack No, no, not at all, because so these guys all deserve their due, for God's sake. So this is what happens. After season one, they're like, hey, you know, the show's going good. Maybe it's not a huge ratings hit. But Tony Randall talks about going into the writer's room with the writers, and they're like, okay, well, you know, do you guys have any ideas? And they said, well, idea? Well, we're the actors. We don't write, you know. He says, well, what do you just uh, throw something out? And so Tony Randall goes, well, I like opera. Great! We'll write a, a whole show about <laughs> opera. And then Jack says, well, you know, I own a racehorse. They're like, great! Horse racing! Let's go to the track. So they would just take things out of Tony Randall's and Jack Klugman's life and turn them into yeah. shows, which I think is great. That is great. I love that. That's excellent. That's kind of what they did on the Dick Van Dyke show. I mean, the, um, yeah, Dick Van Dyke show. Gary Marshall was saying uh, that uh, Carl Reiner taught him, like, he's like, you don't have to just... You don't have to worry about thinking of ideas. Just tell me what happens in your real life. Sure. And, and he's like, I felt like, oh, I gotta, I, I've got it in the bag now. That's all I have to do. Yeah. So maybe that was part of the thinking process and asking these well, guys those questions. And, you know, that goes back to the Jack Benny show. When you've got good writers and you've got good characters and good actors playing the roles, 
You, uh, that's why they call it a sitcom. It's a situation. Come up with a situation. Hey, Oscar has to go to the opera with Felix. There's a show. That's why they call it a sitcom? I thought it was because we s- usually sit down when we watch it. But, uh, no. We learn something every day. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> now, here's a, here's a great Jack Lugman story I want to tell you because he told it on the Dinah Shore show. Of course, as you know, he loved horse racing, and he owned a horse that finished third in the Kentucky Derby. A horse. And, really? Yeah, the horse's name was Jacqueline Klugman. Does that ring a bell? No, it does not. Well, he was a two-year-old champion, finished third in the Kentucky Derby. I think he was California Horse of the Year as a three-year-old. Great horse. I mean, you, you Google it, and they've got all these pictures. But he tells a story on Dinah Shore's show. He says, I want to tell you about this horse, and they show a picture. This is Jacqueline Klugman, a champion two-year-old, won the two-year-old Breeders' Cup race, ran in the Kentucky Derby where they have 20 different horses, and this horse managed to finish third out of all those horses. Then he went on to this race, and he finished first. Then he went on to the East Coast, and he finished first again. That horse, that horse running on the track got me $433,000 worth of purse money. And you know what? That horse only cost me $1.3 million at auction. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. Hey, it brought back memories, too. I can picture him on the Dinosaur show. Sure. I remember that show now. I had kind of forgotten about that. She's, she was great and um, used to date Burt Reynolds, too. Yes, and, that's um, right. A lot of yeah. people don't know that. They really had a, an intense relationship for a while. Yeah. So, anyway, not, well done. Dinosaur reference. Didn't think we were going to get there. And <laughs> speaking of, um, can I throw in one more real Go quick? Go ahead. I'm afraid that we're not. Yeah. Here's some other couple of side characters I just wanted to squeeze in in case you don't get there. Okay. And I wouldn't criticize you if you did. But what about, you know how they're divorced on the show? Can two divorced men survive, live together? Right. Uh, with a, so they go on dates from time to time, right? And remember there were some people in the building, two women in the building, that they dated one or more times. You know who, those, you remember? Yeah, you have an obsession with these women, the Pigeon Sisters. <laughs> You always yeah. bring them up. I'm, and now I'm trying to find, because they don't really have much information on the Pigeon Sisters, because they didn't do much on TV. They only appeared nah, a few just, times. They just, they chatted in British accents. They just chattered. They were like little chatterboxes. And that was kind of the humor. That's it. Okay. Let's come in. They're kind of crazy, you know. And uh, I don't, they didn't have well-developed characters. They just did the same thing every time. I don't know, even though they might have only been on there one time, for all I know. But for some reason... Uh, I do have some mini obsession with the Pigeon Sisters, you're right. Well, do you know when they, they finished up The Odd Couple after five seasons, they actually wrapped it up in a perfect way, which I think is great. Felix went back with his wife. And again, this is not overproduced. It's just a little scene that they wrote to end the series. And do you remember it? Because I don't want to uh, tell you about it if you remember it. No, okay. his wife Gloria, right? Yes. They get back together, and Felix is moving out. And Oscar's like, I'm so proud of you, Felix. I'm so glad you guys are back together. This is wonderful. Uh, uh, it's, it's been an adventurous five years. And, um, and Felix says, uh, he says, you know what? He says, this is how I'd like to pay tribute to you as I leave. And he takes a big wastebasket full of trash and dumps it right in the middle of the floor. He goes, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and then, Oh, my God. And, that's hilarious. And then Jack Klugman. I remember that. Jack Klugman as Oscar says, and to show you how I'm going to pay tribute to you, I'm actually going to clean that up. And they both laugh. Felix Unger, Jack, uh, Tony Randall leaves. Jack Klugman is standing in the middle of the room, and he goes, I'm not going to clean that up. 
and then he goes to the bedroom, and then Tony Rendo comes back in, and he puts it in the waste. He says, I knew he wouldn't clean it up. And he puts it in the waste, <laughs> and he leaves. <laughs> Which I, that's I mean, gold. Yeah, right no, there. that's perfect. It's just, you know, it's a one-minute segment, and it, but it's, it's, it's great. So anyway, we got to get to the uh, uh, we got to get to the later versions of the Odd Couple very very quickly. Mm, do we have to? Well, I'll tell you why because they came up with a new Odd Couple in 1982. That was with the Ron Glass and, and Demon Wilson. Some people call it the Black Odd Couple, but it was really called the New Odd Couple. But there's a reason why they did that reboot. Why is that? In 1981, the writers' strike was going on, and there were no shows. You know, no new shows on TV. So somebody, I don't know if it was Gary Marshall or somebody, said, you know what? Why don't we just do The Odd Couple and redo a lot of these scripts and we'll, you know, we'll throw in some hip, hip terms and we'll have a couple of African-American guys. We'll try to make it a little hipper. And, of course, when you watch it, and they actually do almost, they use about seven or eight scripts word for word. And when you watch them, Ron Glass is great. Of course, Damon Wilson was, was Lamont on Sanford and Son. But yeah. it's just, it doesn't work from the get-go. It's just, no. there's no chemistry. And, you, and as a matter of fact, when you're watching it, you're like, wait a minute, I saw this with Tony Randall and Jack Klugman. It was funny with them. It's not funny here. You know what it did, though? It really reinforced how great Jack Klugman and Tony Randall were. I remember at the time, I watched it like one time, I'm like, no, yeah. no, this is not, you don't, don't do this. This is, uh, but it, I, I don't think they needed the reinforcement, but it, it wasn't like they did anything hideous. It was just such a, like you can't, you shouldn't do that. No, well, and, and like I say, the they, they use, they use like seven or eight of the exact, you know, they, 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 they took the scripts word for word because they couldn't hire any writers to write anything new. Now, if you really want to appreciate Tony Randall and Jack Klugman, watch the uh, 2015 to 2017 reboot that CBS did with Matthew Perry and Thomas Lennon that I can't believe was on for three no, seasons. No, I'm not going no. to do it. No, I'm not. <laughs> no. It's horrible. Yeah. yeah. I'm starting to get depressed already. Well, but I mean, I, 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 it makes and, – and here's the thing. You know that Tony Randall and Jack Klugman became lifelong friends – you remember oh, yeah. they did a lot of commercials together. Um, they actually did a, a, a movie, a reboot movie, which was very successful, a made-for-TV movie. I remember that. Yeah, it was like Tony Randall's daughter was getting married and organizing the wedding you're, and stuff you're like that. Right? And it was just after Jack Klugman had, had his throat surgery. He had, I guess he had cancer twice, uh, and he had one of the vocal cords removed. So they wrote that into the script. Where Felix is Can I tell you a quick, just a quick interjection Go. before I forget about that movie? Go. And... When I got divorced, this is like some personal information I'll tell the audience. Uh, on the very night that I uh, moved out of the house, I, I treated my depression by watching s this movie. I watched, first of all, the intro to The Odd Couple. I'm like, hey, this is, I'm like Tony Randall now. You know, walking out of the right. apartment, somebody handing me the frying pan, <laughs> and then where do I go? I've got my brief suitcase, the frying pan. I literally watched, binged watch some Odd Couple, and I watched that whole made-for-TV movie. And then I called you, and I thought, like, okay, this, this is going to be okay. We're, I'm like uh, the Odd Couple now, not a problem. So it, it shows how in real life TV can help us heal. Now, I, I haven't watched that movie in a long time, but I remember it being pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, as those things go, it was not bad. Uh, 
Not great, but not no. not bad. Some of them are just unwatchable, like when I talked about the Green Acres movie recently. Well, you were, you one, were just mad because yeah. Ava Gabor did not show a lot of cleavage. <laughs> that's the only reason you didn't like it. Yeah, that's true. Well, I should wrap it up by saying uh, Tony Randall, as you know, passed in 2004. And Jack Klugman, when do you think he passed? Because you always have a good memory for this stuff. He passed after Tony Randall. I'm going to say it was... 2012. You're exactly uh, right, you son of a bitch. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I have an uncanny, it's like a Rain Man kind of thing. I know. When it comes to years of death. Yeah, but no, uh, I, I thought it was a great show. Yep. Um, it's great today. I'll watch it pretty much anytime it's on. Is it on uh, MeTV or anything like that? Uh, you can get it. I think you can get it on Tubi. Um, you, it, just, mm-hmm. just go to Google. I don't know if it's syndicated on MeTV or or syndicated on Antenna TV, because it seems like every year it kind of changes. But, uh, but you can still find episodes. Yeah, and once again, it's a cur- cursed show. Everybody who appeared on there is dead, but uh, we'll, I'll, I'll leave that alone. We're, we're going to have an investigative report. There you go. There you go. Oh, shit. I just pulled out Fantastic. I'm so glad we, we Hello, uh, you on. did that. Did you fall in the tuba? Stand by. Hold on. Folks, I think we've had hang a on, on. musical instrument accident. We'll be back in a moment when we verify that Jim is okay. He hasn't been badly injured. <laughs> Obviously, I have some editing to do after that. I apologize. I'm sorry. You might have a concussion. I'm not sure, but... Uh, Oh. At least we got through the taping. So, <laughs> All right, two good ones. Hogan Zeros, The Odd Couple. I'm Jim Sion. He's Harry Bartosiak. Uh, anything else you want to do to wrap it up, my friend? We should mention our uh, Facebook page, Jim and Harry TV. Jim and Harry TV. And I understand uh, Harry's going to be sending me a few pictures to post on the Facebook page, so check him out. We'll do that, and I'd like to say thanks, Jim, for another trot down memory lane. And in the words of Colonel Clink, dismissed. All right, this is Jim back with the corrections, and we don't have a lot of them this time, but there's one biggie that Harry missed. First of all, Hogan's Heroes was a big ratings hit for the first two seasons. It was ranked number nine the first season, 17 the second season, but then for the remaining four seasons, it wasn't in the top 30. Hogan's Heroes right now is syndicated on MeTV. Art Carney was in the original Odd Couple play with, of course, Walter Matthau. He was replaced later by Eddie Bracken and Paul Dooley, a couple of fine character actors. You can actually watch the original Odd Couple, at least the one from ABC with Tony Randall and Jack Klugman. It's actually available on CBS.com, even though it actually aired on ABC. But yes, they're all available right now on CBS.com as well as other platforms. And Harold Gould, who I think Harry and I also referred to as Howard Gould once or twice. No, Harold Gould was a great uh, character actor. Harry mentioned he was on The Golden Girls. But more importantly, Harry, he played Rhoda's father on the TV show Rhoda, Rhoda Morgenstern. You should know this because it's one of your favorite shows of all time. How could you not know that Harold Gould played Rhoda's father? I'm very disappointed. That's the broadcast. Thanks again for listening. Check us out next time. So long now.